Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Sports Day for Kia. The award-winning seven-seat Kia Sorento. Kia's large SUV. Available now at your nearest Kia dealer. Good afternoon, everyone. Keeping nice and cool. <laughs> Been a warm one today, and I see that easterly is still blowing, so we're in for a pretty warm night once that dies off. Uh, we've got Red Hot Sport coming your way between now and six. Also, we welcome Toolmart, the complete tool centre, who also have the naming rights to this program, Sports Day, together with Kia and the award-winning seven-seat Kia Sorento. So welcome Ian Peterson and the team from Toolmart. They are w, WA-owned and operated. They're a great organisation. There's a Toolmart uh, store near you. So, tradies, if you're looking for the right tool at the right price, then there's only one place to go, and that's Toolmart. So welcome to Toolmart on board with uh, Sports Day WA. And thanks to Ian Peterson and the team, as I mentioned. Okay, coming up on the show this evening, we're going to focus on... Test matches. Now, I'm one of these old-fashioned guys that loves a good five-day test match, particularly when it comes down to the wire. And there was a beauty today. Earlier today, our time, you've heard about it. New Zealand pulled off a miracle in Wellington at the Basin Reserve, defeating England by one run, following one of the most dramatic finishes in test history. The Kiwis became just the fourth team in test history to win after being asked to follow on while the result goes down as only the second one-run test victory. Uh, England, by the way, were chasing a target of 258 in their fourth inning. So it got me thinking, actually, and I've done a bit of homework and I've looked at uh, a couple of reports that have listed the top 10 classic test match finishes, okay? And I'd like you to give me an idea of where you may have been. You might have been at one of these test matches and saw a classic finish. You may have visually seen it on the TV, sitting in your lounge room at home and saying, what a finish that was. Get on the temper of bedshed text line 0487 736 736 and see if we can get a list of some of the classic Test match finishes. And we're going to go to New Zealand shortly and speak to one of the commentators who actually broadcast the game at the Basin Reserve in Wellington today. But for those people who didn't hear what transpired, this is how it finished. Well, this has flown high. And it's taken early. Racer with the catch. Salvi. Oh, that's gone. Where's that gone? In the air. In the air and over for four. Oh, Bracewell came in a step. He's a tall man and it's just gone over the head. It's bounced. It's gone for four. Flat. 
and hard. And down the ground for four. Flat batted by folks that went past Wagner at a rate of knots. And it's another important boundary for England. It's pulled away. Pulled away. In the gap for four. Back to back boundaries. Listen to the roar. Ben Folks is bringing his side home. Oh, that's a top edge. Top edge and out. Wagner takes the catch. Southie's done it. New Zealand one wicket away. Can you believe it? Folks can't. He's gone. Wagner. Southie have done it. Oh, he swung it. He swung it. It's gone for four. It's gone through the fielder. And Jimmy Anderson has swung England away. They only need two. Flick down the left side. Flick down the outside. He's got it. Can you believe it? Wagner. Wagner has done it. New Zealand win by one run. Yeah, by one run. It, meant, it went nearly five days and it came down to one run. Classic test match finish. Can you think of any others? 0487 736 736. Okay, you cricket aficionados. Now, I've looked at this list and there's one that's not featured. And I thought to myself, because I went through, did a bit of homework on it today. I thought this is an epic test match but it's not featured in the top 10. If you can think of one maybe outside the square, uh, then let us know. Let's see if we can get it basically done by the time I conclude at 6 o'clock tonight. But another classic test match, before we speak to our special guest, was England and Australia. It was an Ashes series. The 2005 Ashes series was a beauty. This one was at Edgbaston in Birmingham. And... England set Australia 282 to win in the second innings. And Australia were reeling at eight for 175. And what followed was quite extraordinary. Shane Warne and Brett Lee dragged the baggy green closer to their target. And then Warne fell with a score at 220. Then it was left to Lee and Michael Kasprovich, who took up the reins and took Australia to almost... Victory. Have a listen. Here comes Harmison. He's hit and he's found the man out there. Great test match. As I mentioned, Australia set 282 to win, reeling at eight for 175. Uh, when Warren went, it was 220. And in the end, Kasprovitz got a bouncer from Steve Harmison and just uh, tried to duck under it and got an edge. And it went through to the keeper, all out for 279. Uh, can you recall any others? Love to hear from you. Uh, let's just update some sport We talk before we take a break uh, for our friends at Tyre Power. Buy three. Get one free on selected Falcon tyres during Ty Power's best buys on big brand sale. Melbourne Storm maestro Craig Bellamy says it's time for the club to have a new coach and he's pretty sure 
this will be his final year in charge. Yeah, I'm pretty sure this is going to be my last year as a head coach. You know, I'll still be around the club a little bit in a part-time role, you know, at the end of this year. I'm not quite sure when the club, you know, want that definite answer. But, um, yeah, like I say, you know, I want to give them plenty of time, you know, to find a new coach and um, can't see anything changing this year into me not retiring at, at the end of the year. Outstanding coach. Just an outstanding coach. 63 years of age and he's entering his 21st season in charge at the Storm. He's taken the Storm to nine grand finals. It's a remarkable run of longevity during the expansion club into a perennial powerhouse. Just would go down one of the greatest uh, sports coaches to come out of this country. Don't worry about that, Craig Bellamy. And Aussie star Sam Kerr and the Matildas will round out their preparations for this year's home World Cup on our shores with a clash against European giants France in Melbourne. That was confirmed today. Matilda's coach, Tony Gustafens, declaring the clash with the world number five ranked team the perfect way to get his side to get dialed in for the World Cup. That's going to be a big, big event come the middle of this year. We'll take a break and we'll go back to New Zealand and in particular Wellington and relive all the drama, all the excitement of that incredible test match earlier today between New Zealand and England. For Toolmart, the complete tool centre, and Kia, the award-winning seven-seat Kia Sorento. This is Sports Day. Welcome back to Sports Day WA. They say by the barest of margins, and as I mentioned earlier in the program, New Zealand pulled off a miracle at the Basin Reserve in Wellington today. They defeated England by one run, following one of the most dramatic finishes in Test history. And a man that had the opportunity to be there working for Talk Sport UK is Daniel McCarty. He's a Kiwi, he's a New Zealander, but he was surrounded by former English Test players in the commentary this afternoon. Daniel, thanks for your time. My pleasure. Great to speak to you, my friend. An utterly joyous day, and I was probably the luckiest New Zealander to be surrounded by former English Test cricketers as their side succumbed to a huge whopping one-run defeat. <laughs> Tell us about who were your partners in crime in the commentary position this afternoon. I had the likes of Michael Atherton, the former English uh, captain, highly respected commentator and scribe, the gnarly fast bowler Steve Harness, and look out, second slip, they were never safe, but Harmy um, bowling the first ball of an Ashes series. Uh, New Zealand all-rounder of uh, years gone by, Jacob Borum, uh, White Stern, Frankie Mackay, and the great Neil Manthorpe, who's I think has only covered test matches at 84 venues around the world. So it was, in all honesty, it was a wonderful um, thrilled to be invited to be alongside them. They were so accommodating. We had a whole heap of fun. And we have just witnessed a game not a single one of us will ever forget. It was a real privilege to see... Um, all five days unfold with all the twists and turns at the Basin Reserve. New Zealand became just the fourth team in Test history. This is the magnitude of the win this afternoon. Fourth team in Test history to win after being asked to follow on. And at one stage, it looked like it was going to materialise because England were five for 80 before Joe Root and also Ben Folkes actually put England in a winning position. Take us through that period. A game, a final day of ebbs and flows. Yeah, the, the final day, uh, if you just watch, that sort of wraps up the whole test. You could, we could go and, you know, compartmentalise every single day and talk about the twists and turns. It was a fairy tale as far as subplot. But let's get into day number five with England, starting 48 for the loss of one, chasing 258, 210 runs on the final day of a test. Normally it's a little bit tricky, but this English side has chased down some really impressive scores over the last year. 
They're full of confidence. They're full of bravado. They, they want to go at the bowlers. So New Zealand had to start well, and they started exceptionally well, I thought, through the opening hour, hour and a half. Uh, they got rid of Robinson for two, the night watchman, then Duckett and Pope, and then Harry Brock, who's just made test cricket look so easy. You know, close to 900 test runs and six test matches. Well, he was run out without facing a ball, an absolute brain explosion from Joe Root as he dabbed the ball into the gully, set off for a run, and leaving Harry Brook high and dry. But you're so right, at that stage, 80 for 5, England, the teetering. But, you know, their two most storied players, um, Joe Root, who scored 150 in the first innings, ultimately out for 95 in the second. Um, he and Stokes put together a very good partnership of just shy of 140. So it showed you if you got in, this wasn't a, a wicket with too many terrors. Uh, just no one else was able to provide any support. And when New Zealand got rid of uh, Stokes and Root in, in pretty quick succession, uh, it was game on and New Zealand have scraped home. And I'm absolutely thrilled for one Neil Wagner, the 36-year-old who had had a horrendous series, has got rid of Stokes and Root and Pope today and then gets the last wicket of Anderson. Uh, to spark wild jubilation here at the Basin Reserve. Uh, incredible scene. Neil Wagner bowled 11 overs in the Mount Monganui in the second inning and went for 104. Mm. 100, 104 runs in 11 overs. England were torching him to all parts. But uh, he's gone to the well once more, full of fire and determination. Guess what? He went to a short-pitch method, which has worked so well. And uh, he's got the chocolates for New Zealand. Unbelievable. And just going down to that last wicket, because James Anderson is not known as a great batsman, comes in at number 11. <laughs> he hit one through, I think it may have been mid-wicket for four, and people thought he's just going to slog, and if he connects one, England get over the line. But the way he got out, a little faint touch down the leg side. When it comes to a batsman, that's what they consider unlucky when you get caught down the leg side, and that's how James Anderson fell and handed England the te- uh, in New Zealand the test match. You're so right. Uh, similar to how Kane Williamson got out to Harry Brook during a nothing sort of uh, bowling change from Ben Stokes. I'll give this a go. And then there's a feather edge down the leg side and Williamson, the centurion, and I think man of the match. Uh, brilliant knock in that second innings to get New Zealand back into the game. That opened the door for England. They weren't good enough to take it. And unfortunately for England, it's closed the door, that type of dismissal with the cats down the leg side. It was so exhilarating. The, the tension was almost unbearable inside the ground at the time. I think nine runs are needed when Anderson comes out and joins Jack Leach. Uh, Anderson gets a couple of rounders throws. He looks like he's not enjoying it. He looks like he's not playing it particularly well. So what does he do? Backs outside of leg stump, thumps it through mid-wicket, goes between the legs of uh, Williamson. And at that stage, it was six runs uh, needed. He takes it down to just two, and you think, England are going to do it. But no, there was just one last twist um, in a long, long tail of this, uh, this incredible game. Mm. Um, 2,494 test matches and just the second time a game has been decided by one run. And that, and then you add on the fact that this is the fourth team to ever overcome a, a follow-on. Um, the, 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 I'll never see anything like it in my broadcasting career. I'm just thankful I was able to see it at all. And what's interesting also is the fact that these days not many team captains aside, maybe enforce the follow-on because they want to bat the opposition side completely yeah. out of the contest. I wonder if Ben Stokes is rethinking it now because there was plenty of time to be played in the Test match. 
Yeah, um, there's always hindsight captains out there, and it's fair enough to question, especially when you've just become the fourth team to lose the test after enforcing the follow-on. What were your, what so were your, what were your co-commentators saying when the follow-on was enforced? Did they agree with it? We were all in agreement. I'll tell you why. Here at the Basin Reserve, it always looks emerald green on day one. It never plays that badly. It offers seam for a couple of days and then becomes very flat throughout the duration of, of the test match with maybe a little bit of up and down, maybe the odd bit of turn. So it's generally a very good surface deep into a test match. On day three, it was still overcast. We'd had plenty of light showers through the first couple of days. The southerly wind doesn't dry the outfield. So it was a good bowling day on day number three. And England bowled really well. They beat the outside edge on numerous occasions. Uh, you know, the odd nick went to ground just in front of the slip cordon. On any other day, England could have had New Zealand six or seven down and, and go on and win the test match quite comfortably. Um, I don't think they made a mistake by following on. I think the story more is about New Zealand getting through that really um, difficult period thanks to, firstly, a great opening partnership between Latham and Conway, and then the magician that is Williamson, um, you know, dr you know, driving a bowling attack into the ground deep into day number four. So, yeah, I completely understand why people want to look at England and that decision, but I think it's more of a, a story of, A, how the Basin Reserve play plays, and B, most importantly, how well New Zealand fought. One they of should you... be so proud of, of the fight. I am so proud of Kane Williamson, who's handed over the captaincy, named man of the match, having scoring that brilliant 132 in New Zealand's second innings. I tell you what, he could easily take over the presidency uh, of New Zealand. He's probably the most <laughs> revered individual in the land of the long white cloud. He's just an amazing player, probably the greatest batsman of all time in New Zealand cricket history. Yeah, I don't think there's any debate on that now. He's got the most uh, test runs. He went past Ross Taylor, his long-time teammate, during this test match. Hardly acknowledged the crowd when the ground announcer announced it to the base and reserve. He's so unfaithful. He doesn't really care about those sort of things. He's just, he lives in the moment. He's a serene sort of player to watch. You know, beautiful on the eye, but just unflappable. Um, doesn't get too all that introspective. He's just um, worried about, you know, getting better each day as a batsman and also making sure um, he stays in the moment and does what's best for the team. It was really an impressive knock. Tom Blundell, too, let's not um, forget his contribution, making 90. He has had a wildly good year. And, you know, you know, with both my New Zealand eyes open, I'd say he's the best wicketkeeper batsman in Test cricket at the moment. Um, he's very good with the gloves. Uh, Australians will remember him from being a, a makeshift opener um, during uh, the, the very one-sided Boxing Day Test from 2019, I think it was, where mm. he scored 100 in the second innings opening. He's, he's back in the middle order. He's got the gloves full-time, and he's averaged over 60 with the bat in the last year. He played really well. But Kane Williamson was was the man again for New Zealand, 26 test match hundreds, uh, and long may it continue. I know he's had elbow injuries, and, and we're, we all hold our breath um, contemplating the end because he is now into his early 30s. We just want it to carry on for as long as possible. Although I'm not sure he might... I think if there is an election this year, it might it might be a close run thing between Kane <laughs> Williamson and maybe maybe Tim Southey after Tim Southey captains uh, New Zealand defeating England. So maybe we should have a runoff between those two. Well, of course, it's only a two-test series, tied at one all, and I reckon after the events of today, people were would have been hoping for a third and deciding test match. It's not to be, unfortunately.
Yeah, no, you're right. It's a really good point. I, I think the penny has dropped with England. This was long scheduled long ago. They're back here in 18 months for a three-test match series. I, I, I think um, people recognise coming to New Zealand is actually not an easy place to go and win test match cricket. Um, 2017, South Africa, a much better South African side than we currently see in 2023, one here uh, in a really gripping series. Uh, New Zealand now 11 series without uh, a loss and we can't wait to invite the Aussies in, what, the next year or so. Mm. I think they're over here, so um, bring it on. New Zealand, though, they're not perfect. The batting looks okay to me. Um, the bowling's a little bit thin, uh, with Jameson unfortunately being re-injured. He's done another stress fracture just weeks after coming back from stress fracture. This was a guy with 80 test wickets in 19, and he looked like he had the world at his feet. It's a huge loss. New Zealand simply can't replace him. Wish him all the best in trying to get fit. Trent Bolt's given up. Uh, a central contract, so will we hear, ever see him again in Test match cricket? We simply don't know, and it does seem unlikely. Uh, New, New Zealand are a little bit thin in the bowling department, so uh, hopefully over the next year or two, um, some fresh blood can come through, because Neil Wagner's 36, he can't go forever. Tim Southey's 34, he can't go forever. Even Matt Henry, I think, is over 30 years of age. That the, They do need to sort of rebuild uh, that facet of the game, if they can to continue, um, you know, being very hard to beat at home. Uh, unbelievable test match, Daniel. Thanks for sharing uh, all the insights to what was a a riveting uh, day five of the second test at the Basin Reserve in England, in Wellington between England and New Zealand. Thanks for your time, and let's hope you see plenty more of those sort of test matches going forward. Oh, let's hope so. So great ad uh, ad for the the test match game. I'm so excited for the Ashes. I know Australia's got a great bowling lineup, but that batting lineup of England are going to come for you. Strap yourself in. That's going to be absolutely wonderful theatre in a few months' time. Good on you, Daniel. Thanks for your time. My pleasure. Daniel McCarty, he's still up, isn't he, in the clouds. He's so excited calling that test match and calling his beloved New Zealand to a victory over England. Can you recall, as I mentioned earlier, any other test matches that you may have been at or recall that were as gripping as that one today in New Zealand. Give us your thoughts on the temper of bedshed text machine 0487 736 736 for Toolmart, the complete tool centre, and Kia. This is Sports Day WA. Great to have your company. Uh, just a couple before we uh, welcome our next special guest uh, here on Sports Day WA. Uh, from Roy, g'day, Pete. Why is there no games in Perth for round one of the AFL? I think Ed Sheeran has something to do with that. He's in town in concert here at Optus Stadium, so both uh, AFL teams will have to play away on the first week. And I'm talking about great cricket test matches and great finishes uh, what you recall, uh, we've played a couple already on the back end of what happened in New Zealand earlier today. Hi, Peter. Australia, West Indies, Adelaide, 1993. Yes, Lee, it was a brilliant one. Australia needed one run to tie the game, and unfortunately, McDermott was caught by Murray, and the West Indies won. And that's from Lisa at Ellenbrook. Uh, give us your thoughts on ones that uh, you recall. And I'll tell you what, when it comes to great results, I suppose we could talk about what transpired in round one of the Super Rugby competition. The Western Force taking on the Melbourne Rebels last weekend. It was round one. These two clubs have a, a rich history. 
And uh, in the end, it was the force who prevailed by 34 to 27, a comeback win against the Rebels. It was a heck of a game. And it's great to welcome, uh, it's the first time we've spoken to him, the brand new defensive coach for the Western Force, uh, Will Elgleston now joins us, who reportedly has a pretty good connection with the head coach, Simon Cron. Will, thanks for your time. Yeah, no worries. Thanks, Guy. Thanks for having me. Yeah. I won't ask you how you've settled into the Western Force because you've been here for a little while as the defensive coach after spending a few seasons in rugby league, got one competition there in Japan. But saying that, last weekend, what a way to start. Yeah, it was fantastic, wasn't it? I think, uh, you know, our focus now will be uh, just making sure we don't we don't give other teams a, as much of a head start. Um, but you'll see the fight from the boys there to play for each other in the second half, and it was just really pleasing to uh, to come over them uh, late there. It was really, uh, really pleasing. Before we come back to that game and what's ahead for the Western Force, tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, nice uh, accent there, no doubt stemming from another part of the world. You've spent a bit of time in Japan, and, of course, you've coached and being involved in rugby around the world. Tell us a bit about your background. Yeah, yeah, you picked up on that accent. Um, yeah, from England originally, um, and then I moved uh, and lived in Sydney for uh, five or six years before then doing three years um, over in Japan, as you mentioned. So coached in um, a number of different competitions uh, sort of around the world, and that sort of set me up into um, coming into Super Rugby and, and coaching the Western Force and putting, putting my uh, best foot forward um, with the players here, so it's a it's a great challenge, um, and uh, yeah, we're looking to to really push forward this season. Yeah, and of course, uh, I've spoken to Tony Lewis uh, now, also the general manager of rugby, Matt Hodgson. Uh, uh, they're very excited about the the team off the park. Uh, people like yourself and and Simon Cron, but you and Simon go back a long way, and no doubt value each other's uh, professionalism when uh, you come together and take charge like a team like the Western Force. Uh, it's so important to work with people that you've got a pretty good understanding with, isn't it? Yeah, it is. I think, you know, in high-performance sport, it comes down to trust a lot and trust that, you know, you know each other are going to work hard and, and always going to put the team first. Um, like you said, Crono and I go back, uh, we go back quite a while. We coach together in Sydney and, and coach together out in Japan and, and both of us were away from our families for a lot of time in Japan with obviously COVID and the borders being closed. So it was probably, I don't know if it was a good or a bad thing being locked together and just talking about rugby every day. So um, <laughs> yeah, it's all about also coming here and, and trying to drive that high performance sporting environment. And um, therefore we can give our best to the team. So um, yeah, it would come down to that trust factor. I'd say it's really important. You also, it's important to know your players and uh, Jeremy Thrush was the story to come out of that thrilling 34 to 27 comeback win against the Melbourne rebels. The, 37-year-old Locke, he retired after the 2022 season and reportedly was going to be, I think, an academy coach uh, for one of the Perth uh, clubs. But uh, how did you get him back on the park and playing such an influential game like he did last weekend? Yeah, first of all, Thrushy's a great human being. He's a great man to have around the group. Like you say, he's been coaching our academy and sort of starting his coaching journey, really. He's also the head coach at West Scarborough. Um, so it's been been great to see. He actually sits next to me in the office too, which is quite funny. So <laughs> we're always talking always talking through ideas. And, you know, all the coaches, we've been sort of saying to him, mate, come on, you know, keep your boots ready. Keep the laces in the boots. And uh, you never know when the call-up's going to happen. And then, 
yeah, we had a, lock, a couple of locks fall over, and, and you know he was next cab off the rank. So he jumped at jumped at the opportunity to um, get the boots back on and get out there with the boys. And like you say, didn't he do so well? Unbelievably. And he's a fair player. Of course, played over 100 games for the Hurricanes and also uh, about 11 tests for New Zealand. So he's no slouch. And no doubt his experience was invaluable uh, last weekend. Yeah, that's right. He's been fantastic for, for not only for our academy players, actually, but for, but for, for all, the, all the boys, especially the line-out forwards. You know, some, somebody with that sort of IP, you know, and all the things that's going on in his brain, it's always good to, to filter that down to the other players. And, you know, he's the type of guy you, you want on the field in those pressure moments. And, uh, yeah, like I say, we managed to, to come over, over them late with, uh, with Rushy on the field. It was great to see. Let's look around uh, to the Queensland Reds. Will he put his hand up for selection this week or do you, will you have enough numbers coming back? Um, oh, no, he, he'll definitely be in the, definitely be in the, um, in the debate. Um, I'm about to go into that after this, actually. So uh, uh, I won't be able to give you any insight yet. <laughs> but, um, no, he'll, he'll definitely be there or thereabouts, thereabouts in, uh, in selection, yeah. Okay. What about the, the team? And you've come in as a fresh face. You and Simon got a fresh pair of eyes. I know you've done some serious recruiting in the off-season. Do you feel comfortable with what you've got in the player stocks? Yeah, I think so. I think it's it's more about just, um, you know, uh, seeing what we've got here and, and therefore um, playing to the type of, and style of player that we do have here at the force, you know, it's it's sometimes you come in with ideas that that you want to do or that you've done at other clubs or other places, but you know your athletes might not suit that style. You know, for example, here at the force, you know, okay, we might not be as big as other teams, but that means we're faster. You know, so we 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 want to be faster to the breakdown. We want to be faster on a kick chase. Um, so it's just uh, it's moulding to what you've got and then trying to get the best out of them. You're playing the Reds uh, this weekend on, I think you fly out on Friday for a game on Sunday, but you're playing in Melbourne and I believe it is the Western Force home game because I gather there's uh, some more work being done on HBF Park. That's right. Yeah, so that that uh, takes us to Super Super Round over in Melbourne. So I'm actually uh, really, really excited to be a part of the Super Round where all, all Super Rugby games will be played out at Amy Park over the sort of uh, the three days there, Friday, Saturday and Sunday. Um, so, you know, we're sort of, um, we're ready to go over there and, and we want to prove a point um, to the rest of the competition in front of the competition as well. Um, and hopefully we can see some of our Sea Blue fans over there. That'd be fantastic. Yeah, no, that'd be terrific. And I suppose it's in some ways uh, very similar to what happens in rugby league with the Magic Round. And now the AFL have got the Gather Round. Where they got that name from, I still don't know. Uh, but you did play the Reds in a pre-season hit-out, which is probably invaluable because uh, at least you've already seen them leading into this season. Yeah, that's right. We actually we learnt a hell of a lot from that game. You know, we played them sort of first up uh, there at home and, um, you know, we played them over 330 minutes. So we got a lot of rugby um, into our guys. We managed to blood a lot of young guys as well who, who are much better for the experience. Um, look, the Reds, are, the Reds are a really, really good side. You know, they're, they're really well coached. Um, they've got sort of individual weapons all over the park. Um, our job is to, to shut them down and take away their time and space, and it'll be a great challenge for us. And what about uh, your brand new uh, captain, Michael Wells? He led the Rebels last season. He's come over here to Perth and been given the responsibility of being captain for the Western Force. Uh, your thoughts on the new skipper? Yeah, well, he's a great man. He's sort of, uh, you know, he's the, he's the tip of the spear, really, in terms of the player group. He's driving everybody forward. He's at the front of all of that. 
Um, and he's got a he's got a bit of a hard edge too, just around no excuses and and you know what will be will be, and we just have to get on with it. And um, you know it's really uh, refreshing to see that as coaches when one of your players um, sort of has this, has a similar mindset to yourself. So no, he's been fantastic coming in, and he sort of you know took a couple of weeks to uh, see the lay of the land and 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 who you know his troops were going to be around him and and who could deliver hard messages. So it's not just him every time. Um, and, and he's been great for the group. So really looking to see how uh, how he leads the, the men moving forward. And it'll be a fantastic start for the fours. They've often, uh, in previous seasons, when they've challenged for maybe a final spot, they've had to come from a long way behind because they've lost early matches. If you pick up two wins in the first two weeks of the season, that's a perfect start. Yeah, it will be. Yeah, it will be. For us, I mean, you know, we, we, we try to stay where our feet are. And what that means is we don't want to look too far ahead. And we don't sort of plan block against blocks of games really, and, uh, and we don't look uh, too far back. Um, so we're just fully focused on the Reds this week, and, and look, we want to win every game. Um, so yeah, and none more so than the Reds this weekend. Good on you. Thanks for joining us, Will. Welcome to Perth, even though you've been here for a little while. And good luck for the big one this weekend. Thanks very much, guys. Thanks for having me. Good Appreciate on you, it. Will Elgleston. There, the Western Force defensive coach joining us here on the program. Uh, it's coming up 19 to 6. You're with Peter Vlahos, Sports Day WA for Toolmart, the complete tool centre, and also Kia, the award-winning seven-seat Kia Sorento. Now, we're looking at great test matches. A couple have come through. We mentioned Lisa, who spoke about that great test match, 1993, Australia versus the West Indies. Came in at number four uh, in this Bleacher Report, looking at the uh, 10 greatest test matches, nail-biting test matches of all time. Uh, batting first, uh, the visitors made 252 all-out, then restricted Australia 213 all-out. Always good when you have uh, the first two innings around those totals. The West Indies uh, made just 146 in the second innings, so Australia had an 886 to win. Real trouble at 7 for 74, and then Justin Langer, deputant, dug in and was supported by number 10, Tim May, to drag uh, the Australians closer. Langer fell with a score on 144. May continued his innings with the help of last man Craig McDermott and the pair put on 40 to take Australia to 184. Repeating, chasing 186 to win. However, needing only one more run to tie the game, McDermott was caught by Junior Murray of Courtney Walsh and the visitors won by just one run. So there you go. That's the one that uh, Lise was talking about. And also one here, uh, Australia versus South Africa in Sydney. Game was nearly over, and Graham Smith batting with a broken thumb to save the game. Mitchell Johnson bowled him late in the day to win it for Australia. I'll have a look and see if that's uh, in our little countdown. But there's one. There's one that doesn't feature Australia. That was an absolute beauty, an absolute beauty. See if you can recall it. It was during the 1990s, during the 1990s. Didn't feature Australia, but uh, and involved one of the minnows of world cricket. But in the meantime, let's have a look at some other sport that's uh, been happening. And we've got the test match on Friday between Australia and India. Mitchell Stark actually uh, spoke uh, on Steve Smith taking over as captain. Yeah, I think it's pretty seamless. Um, he's obviously done it for a long time. Um, certainly, I've played a lot of cricket with Steve as captain as well. So, so personally, it's it's been a pretty easy transition. Not much changes. Um, 
you know, it's it's still the same group of players, obviously without Pat, but um, yeah, it, not much changes too much. He's obviously going to have certain ways that, that he likes to captain as well, or, or different um, ideas, which he, he is no different when when he's vice captain to Pat. So. Yeah, it's, it's going to be slightly different, but I think we've seen over the last sort of 12 to 18 months when he stepped in, he's done a fantastic job again. Um, obviously, the, the couple of tests he had to do in, in Adelaide um, were, were really successful for the group. So, so hopefully it's um, another great week for, for our team uh, to, to sort of um, bounce back from the last two. Yeah, so there you go. That's uh, Mitchell Stark. We've got another one here uh, coming through. Pete, England versus Australia, Trent Bridge in 2005. Yes, it was an Ashes series, as we know. Fourth test, the home side chasing 129 to win, having made the Australians follow on, but they were struggling at 716 in the face of a fired-up Brett Lee and a brilliant Shane Warne effort. That brought Ashley Giles, Matthew Hoggard together, the two tailenders who had some ability with the bat but would surely wilt under the pressure. However, they itch their side closer to the target and Giles hit the winning runs off Warren amid uh, unbearable tension in Nottingham. It was a crucial victory, actually, for England by just three wickets. Their second in the 2-1 series win, and that was in 2005. So, as I said, if you've got any thoughts on close test matches that you may have been at or may have experienced by sitting in your lounge room at home, then get on the temperate bedshed text machine 0487 736 736. 0487 736 736. Or you can call the Kia open line 1312. 55 for Kia. Morley Kia is one of the people that uh, certainly support Sports Day WA and also the run home that you can hear with Hayes and Marto between three and five. Okay, after the break, uh, we're going to come back and wrap up everything that's happened in sport. And uh, if I haven't got the test match that I've been teasing, I'll play your highlights of that as well. Don't go away. This is Sports Day WA. Welcome back to Sports Day WA. All thanks to Toolmart, the Complete Tool Centre, and also Kia. Interesting, before we continue, I need to tell you about double demerits. They apply from midnight Thursday until midnight Monday. Take note of that for drink or drug driving, not wearing a seatbelt or running a red light. Get caught and you could lose your licence twice as fast. I said during the course of the program, give us your opinions on test matches that you have witnessed firsthand or viewed on the television over the years or recall that were just classic finishes on the back end of what happened in Wellington in New Zealand earlier today. But there's one test match that's not featured in the top 10 in the Bleacher Report, and that's where I've taken this information from. The number one test match is England versus Australia. The audio they played earlier in the program from Edgbaston in 2005. Coming in at number two was England against Australia at Old Trafford in 2005. And uh, there's a lot featuring, of course, Australia and England. But there's one that goes back to 1996. And I thought it was a classic. It was in a place called Bulawayo. It's in Zimbabwe. It was Zimbabwe against England, 1996. And England needed 15th runs off the last over. And we were heading for a massive upset because Zimbabwe, minnows, were going to beat the might of England there in Zimbabwe. Nick Knight was on strike and heading towards a century as well as keeping the England innings together. 
This is how it eventuated. 15 runs they needed England to win the Test match in the final over. That's what nice looking boys chipped it over. He's had for six. Unbelievable. Nick Knight's got his streak away over mid-wicket for six runs. Now England are back in it. Nick Knight, 92, not out now. One, six, five, fours. Five runs now needed from three balls. The only one thing that is for sure, England can't lose. And Zimbabwe, they've got to do everything they can now to stop it. Here's streak tonight. England require five. It's wide outside the off stump. No signal from umpire in Robinson. England now requiring five off two. Full toss. Knight can only get it away for one. Goff will definitely come back for the second run. He's made it with a dive. Street can't take the ball cleanly. England scramble two. But they... Three to win off the last ball. Nick Knight takes a few deep breaths. It's all on the Warwickshire men's shoulders here. England need three runs to win off the very last ball to win this test match. Here comes Streak. Knight's down the track. He's got it out to deep cover. There's a man there. This two will bring the scores level. Andy Flowers got it. Darren Goff vainly goes for the third runs. The scores are level. But the match is drawn. England finished tantalizingly. One run short. They've leveled the scores with Zimbabwe. Okay, there you go. Ended up in a tie. 1996 in Bulawayo. I like Buffy both of them there. England can't lose this. His commentary. God, he was uh, biased when it came to England in those early days. I think he's a bit better now. But anyway, it was a tie. Zimbabwe versus England, one of those uh, classic uh, test matches. Before I go, let's look at the weather for New Farm Australian through and through. Another hot one for Perth today. The first day of autumn, the first day of March. Pinch and a punch for the first day of the month. Uh, dropping to a low tonight of 22, up to 37 tomorrow. Sunny conditions. We'll have easterly winds. Uh, no sea breeze tomorrow, by the way. We'll just, uh, they'll be switching to southeasterly later in the day. For Thursday, 37 and 33 for Friday. For those people in Bunbury listening on SEN Spirit 621, 18 to 33, your temperature range for tomorrow. 32 on Thursday and 30 degrees on Friday. Thanks to New Farm Products. They are formulated with the highest quality right here in Australia. New Farm Australian through and through. Thanks for joining us on the program tonight. Tomorrow I won't be here. Jimmy Williams will be hosting Sports Day WA and that'll be a great show, Jimmy in the chair tomorrow between 5 and 6. I'll see you back on Thursday. Thanks to Jimmy. Thanks to Lee. Hope you've enjoyed the program tonight here on SENWA.